This episode brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. And auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. What's up, Knicks fans? It is a hard Knicks life. Barry, was that good? It was a little subdued to the norm. It was like 60 minutes or something. What if you DNP me for a few days and I'll come back in with some fire? That might be what you need. What's up, Knicks fans? Oh, fuck, Barry. Get the fuck out of here. What's up, Knicks fans? It is a hard Knicks life. We are available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Play. And you can catch us on Dash Radio every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Eastern on the Nothing But Nets channel. This is Season 2. Episode 20. The Emergence and the Rebirth. That was good. (laughs) Was that good? On this, it's a hard Knicks life. The, the, the numbers he put up in that quarter, it was a great game for anybody. And, I mean, it, we never saw a Frank like that, a confident Frank that wanted the ball, demanded the ball, took control, and just had his way. I mean, I'm going to get into this whole Fizdale rant right now. No, I don't like this. I do like that. And I'm going to try it with this. Give me a fucking break. you got to have some sense of what could work together and what you think will work together. And then you fucking roll with it for a while. Okay, I gotta know, exactly how much shit is Mitchell Robinson talking on the court to these opposing players? I would love to. I would pay. I would actually pay money to hear what he's saying. <laughs> this Trier injury, did you see it happen? I did not see it happen. Did anybody see it happen? No one. I know where you're going with this. What up, Barry? What's going on, Axe? Are you dancing to this music right now? You know I'm dancing this music. Hmm. Show me what you're working with, Barry. Oh, the floss. You know how to do the floss? Yeah, yeah. Just, you know, the, the toilet bowl is pretty slippery when I stand on it, so I gotta be a little careful. For the first time ever, guys, I we have video of me and Barry watching video of each other as we do the show, so he really is flossing. So what's going on, man? Like his teeth, not the dance. <laughs> right. What's up, dude? Nothing much. Nothing much. What a great week of uh, blowouts. These were the most beautiful blowouts I've ever seen. Yeah, they were surprisingly fulfilling. And we even have like two full days off to enjoy them and to bask in them and to kind of look back. And, um, you know, just think about all all the good things that came out of these L's. Right. The first, you know... Two-thirds of the games were miserable. And then uh, Fizz finally put in the guys we all want to see. Before we get started on things, we got to play this LeBron clip. Have you heard about this LeBron Dwayne Wade clip? Yeah, yeah. At the end of the Miami Heat-Lakers game the other night, it was Dwayne Wade's last time playing LeBron. They exchanged jerseys at the end, and they had this conversation at center court. So Dwayne Wade said, I appreciate you ending it here, as in like you being here in L.A. for Wade's last game against him. And then LeBron responded, 
It's the only place you can end it, either here or at the Garden. And Knicks fans, Barry, are... Well, I don't even know if Knicks fans are in an uproar, but the national media is getting a huge kick out of ripping on the Knicks for this because basically, according to rumors, LeBron had been wanting to either end his career in L.A. or New York. And once Phil Jackson disrespected Mello in the way he did, that LeBron wrote off the Knicks, wrote off Dolan, the Knicks, the entire franchise. And nationally, we're being made fun of for it, where people are saying that, you know, this was the worst news we could get all year. Like, does this bother you, Barry? It doesn't bother me. I mean, I, I don't even know what to believe. You know, LeBron James's camp is trying to... Sp- I don't know if you want to say they're trying to spin it or if they're telling the truth. They're saying that LeBron meant that you needed a big stage, like, you know, like in L.A. or at the Garden. Like, that's the only place that would have done it justice, you know. Um, so I don't, I don't know who to believe. I don't really care. You know, the, the LeBron to the Knicks ship sailed way long ago in his last free agency appearance. Um, so, no, I, I'm not really paying any mind to it, and and, and that's it. I mean, it really Why? did Does sound... Does it bother you? <laughs> I mean, it really did sound like LeBron was saying, not just that's the only place like he would want to end it with Wade, but that's the only place he would want to end it. Right, right. In L.A. or New York, essentially. So... Listen, I'm not going to lie. I mean, obviously, um, in 2010, when LeBron chose the Heat, I wanted him to come to the Knicks. But this past season, I, I didn't want any part of him. No, he's like uh, in your top three of people that you hate in this world. He's definitely in that top three. <laughs> on the basketball court, he seems like a fine Oh, number one on the court. Number one on the court. Forget about it. But yeah, LeBron, I mean, you know, you had your opportunity to come to New York come to the biggest stage, the best stage, finish your career here on top. But you decided to uh, go to L.A. And Knicks fans, we're not crying about it. And to the whole world, the nation, the world, we don't give a fuck about LeBron James. All right? No, this isn't This isn't the time that we, wanted, that we wanted him to come to New York. Not at this point in his career. I mean, trust me, he's still got, you know, better game than, you know, than 95% of the, the league. But we, we still don't want him on New York at this point. He, he had his chance back then. We're trying to do something different, and it does not include LeBron. We hate well, go, LeBron, go on. Barry. We hate him. Why would we want to give him the perfect platform for him to em- end his beautiful career on our stage? Fuck no. you. Go find your own stage to end your career. We don't need to make this a storybook ending for you. No. No not doing you any favors you missed out lebron all right you missed out on people like me and barry and tommy <laughs> wow who is still driving me nuts on twitter <laughs> tommy getting a mention i finally told him today that he's driving me crazy did you see that <laughs> yeah his incessant need to 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 criticize every little thing you tweet it's a hard nick's life Little teaser towards the end of the show, guys. We've got Chris Eisman joining us. He's been making the rounds on the Knicks podcast lately, so I know a lot of you might have heard him on Knicks Film School, but uh, tried to ask him some other questions. Right, Barry? Yeah. Actually, yeah, absolutely. we're supposed to be pretending that we haven't talked to him yet, right? <laughs> like make it all seem seamless in the show. Right. Well, surprise, surprise, guys. Sometimes we do interviews before the show, and then we edit them in. Pulling back the curtain, are we? Just a little bit. I'll pull it back a little more 
Barry, like a minute before we were supposed to do the interview with Eisman, tells me his fucking computer <laughs> is, what was it, updating? And it was at like 19%. Yeah, well, you know, usually like when you shut down your computer, it says, you know, you're ready for updates. And normally it gives the option. You want to do the updates now or later? And, you know, normally I just hit later. You know, screw it, push it off. It didn't give me that option. It's like if I was going to restart, I had to do the updates. And it took a little longer than I'd hoped. Dude, every time we do anything, like an interview, uh, the French Knicks podcast we did the other night um, when we were on the Nothing But Knicks show. Dude, I'm always <laughs> making fucking excuses for your uh, technological oh. deficiencies. That's pathetic. <laughs> the fact that I can do this with you every week amazes me. Unbelievable. Well, you know what? It's not all bad with Barry. He did bring me to French Heritage Night. At the yeah, garden, yeah. A, I mean, what did what did we say? Walk like crossing the street, entering the garden. You know, you said you just want Frank to have a good night on French Heritage Night, and I mean, gosh, a career night for him. It was awesome. There were so many fucking French people at the garden. A lot of French people. That first half, Barry. You know, it was really like Tony Parker night. <laughs> yeah, he uh, he made he made it look easy against the Knicks, dude. We were sitting there and. Frank was playing, obviously, because he got in that game against the Nets. And then, obviously, Fizz is going to play him in French Heritage Night. Seemed like he was back in the rotation. The first half for Frank was a disaster. Tony Parker was doing whatever he wanted out there, and Frank couldn't do anything. He was invisible. It was the Frank that got him benched. And I was sitting, we were sitting next to this father and son. And I thought it was kind of funny that Frank came down the court in that first half, took a jumper on the break, I think bricked it off the back of the rim, and the son said, the son was sitting next to me, he goes, oh, Frank can't shoot. And then his dad was like, oh, he just needs a little confidence. And there was no confidence in that first half. I looked at you, Barry, and I was like, Barry, you know what? I start, I'm start, I, like, I have been starting to second guess my passion for Frank over the past <laughs> few weeks. And I was, I was literally in that, I was like, it's French Heritage Night. He's done nothing in the first half. I said, Barry... Maybe Frank is not who I think he is. Right. And Barry gave me this look like, yeah, maybe he isn't. <laughs> but then that second half, Barry, after during halftime, we found out all the favorite French restaurants Frank likes to go to, the French music he likes. I don't know. Maybe all that bullshit woke him up because in that second half, he was another person. Now, what a uh, what a third quarter into the start of the fourth that he had. I mean, talk about a memorable stretch for him, memorable short stretch for him. It was it was amazing. I mean, career night for him, like we said. I mean, his numbers were, were off the charts. I mean, really, you know, like you said, he did nothing in that first half. And when he came in with nine minutes to go in the third quarter, and I guess he was booted out like two minutes into the fourth, basically in 10 minutes of gameplay, he shot seven for nine from the field, including four for four from three, and that's when he scored all 18 points. I mean, it was it was ridiculous. You know, in the past, when we said that Frank has had a great game, it was a great game for Frank, you know, and mediocre for anybody else. The, the, the numbers he put up in that quarter, it was a great game for anybody. And, I mean, it, we never saw a Frank like that, a confident Frank that wanted the ball, demanded the ball, took control, and just had his way. It was it was awesome when he you know when he in the fourth quarter he hit his fourth three-pointer in a row and on the next play he hit his jumper 
He brought the Knicks to within 14 points. The garden erupted. You would have thought that he tied the game with that shot. I mean, it, it, it was it was awesome for him, an awesome moment. Um, yeah, man, he even yeah. tried to he even tried to do a chest bump with Fizdale, but Fizdale didn't jump. <laughs> and then I think he did one with who? Who did he do one with? Mitchell? Moutier. No, Moutier. Moody gave him the chest bump, and then he did a big high five with Fizdale. Everyone was jacked. Yeah, if I mean, if Frank didn't foul out of that game, who knows where the rest of the game would have took him? You oh. know, I mean, I, the, the the realm of possibility isn't isn't. I mean, it's possible they could have they could have gotten uh, in, within striking distance to tie that game. There was enough time on the clock the way that he had been rocking and rolling. Um, you know, between him and Knox, but uh, and it's a shame that he fouled out because at least two of those calls were atrocious and should have been no calls at all. I mean, his fifth foul, that offensive foul driving on Kaminsky was ridiculous. He, he he didn't elbow the guy. He didn't drive down his shoulder into the guy. The guy didn't have his feet planted. It was it was a horrible call. Two two calls before that when he was called for his third foul, which was um, trying to run over a screen set by Zella. That should have been a no call, you know. It, it, it was a shame. It was a shame that on the best night of his career, he actually fouled out of that game. Fizdale lost his shit, and he got he got two technicals right away for standing up for Frank, but gets a standing ovation from the crowd on his way out, which was awesome. Yeah, thought Fizdale make it, made a nice adjustment in that second half after that first half of Frank doing nothing. Maybe he thought Frank was pressing a bit too much. Second half, I don't know if you noticed Barry, but Tim Hardaway Jr. started bringing up the ball a lot, and Frank was playing off the ball when he got really hot. Yep. And uh, one of the big things for for him was he was getting to his spots. He was moving well without the ball. He was getting to the corner for the threes. And when he got the ball, he didn't even think about passing it. If he was open, he just shot it right in rhythm, and yeah. they were falling. He rode that wave. And, you know, unfortunately, there haven't been enough waves for him this season to ride. So the fact that he took advantage of it, the fact that he committed to it, that he connected, it was uh, an amazing night for him on French Heritage Night nonetheless. Um, and, uh, you know, although a loss, hey, you know, it's something that we can carry with us as Frank fans, right, going forward. And uh, we'll see if it carries through. Obviously, he's not going to have nights like this all the time, you know. But uh, when they come, hopefully they boost into something else and they uh, they carry him a little bit. Yeah, here's a little bite from Fizdale from after the game. Fizdale talked about, you know, Frank's foul calls that he was upset with and also how, how Fizz has been trying to get Frank to stop thinking out there. What an explanation did the referees give you on the offensive foul? Not one I enjoyed, <laughs> but uh, I was really happy with the way Frank attacked. Um, came out, really gave us a big-time spark. That's two games in a row now um, where he's really uh, came to play. And uh, like I said, he really took uh, the situation when he didn't play the right way. And he got in the lab and, it, you know, really started working on his stuff. And when his opportunity came again, he was ready. You've talked about wanting Frank to be aggressive. That second half there, it looked like, did he just – you see something different in him, man? Well, he's shown flashes of it this year, but I think that he finally just, you know, says screw it. <laughs> just stop worrying about, you know, if he misses a shot or, you know, what people think and all. He just went out there and just attacked. And it was, you know, like I told him, you know, when you get your chance again, stop thinking. I don't want you thinking. Just going out there and attacking and playing. So how happy is Fizdale with Frank? Is he happy enough to insert him back into the starting lineup? Are we just going to see just, you know, regular minutes from him? I mean, obviously he's going to get more minutes because Trier is out, Burke is out, Lee, well, Lee's going to be back with them um, against Charlotte. 
I mean, against Cleveland. Um, no, he's not. Yes, he is. No, he's not. Oh, he's not? Is he Courtney Lee's now in the G League up until like Thursday or Friday. I thought he was just going there for one game. So for anyone who doesn't know, which you all fucking know by now, Courtney Lee was, was asked the team to send him to the G League so he can get his conditioning down, get some shots during the games and everything because he's not getting that many minutes with us. So they're supposed to be bringing him back to Charlotte on Thursday. Oh, on Thursday. Well, So he's I mean, actually going to miss a game, that. which is yeah. very unusual. Well, he had a horrible game with Westchester. Well, let's bef- like I, we have more stuff to talk about in that game, especially Kevin Knox because he was awesome. But hmm. Courtney Lee, I mean, I'm going to get into this whole Fizdale rant <laughs> right now. Because Fizdale, he's so – I just don't know what he's doing with the rotations and the lineups. Courtney Lee came back from this injury, and he just throws him right in there. He's clearly not ready, right? He, he's why did why does he do that with Courtney Lee? He hasn't shown us anything during the games, and that's probably why he has decided to go to the G League. He even Courtney said that he had to ask them to send him to the G League. Did you see Courtney's numbers in his game with Westchester? Is no what what are they? Is that a game over? Yeah, that game's done. He was one for nine from three. Oh, what? Seven for twenty-one from the field. Three turnovers. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. It's like yeah, Tim Hardaway no, Jr. numbers in the G. Yeah, I mean, they gave him a good amount of minutes. Obviously, that's why he's there. That's, you know, he's there to get the minutes, you know. Um, so hopefully he got some of that bad shooting out of his system. That's all I can say. It is interesting, though, that he had to pull himself out of the Knicks rotation because he knew he was playing so badly. But Fizz was just kept throwing him out there, and he probably would have against Cleveland as well. Getting back to Frank Nilakina. So when he was in the middle of all those DNPs, all these rumors about how he was unhappy, his agent was unhappy, they were shopping him for trades. Listen to what Frank said after the game, Barry. Seems like him and Fizdale have created some sort of bond through all this. Take a listen. Ironically, when you're having one of your best shooting games, it's Tony Parker that drew that last foul on you. What are you thinking in that moment? Because I know how much you respect him, but I know how disappointed you must have been to leave the game at that point. Yeah, it was a little frustrating. Uh, of course, uh, it's a big matchup for me. Uh, it's one of the, the guard I respect the most in this league. Uh, I was watching him since uh, I was young, so uh, uh, coming off the game and uh, leaving my teammates and uh, also coach who fouled for me as well. Uh, I want to take him for, for that. He fouled for me on, on, a, on that offensive foul. Uh, so, yeah, it was frustrating for me. And for you, actually, those last two fouls, Coach obviously didn't agree with. He gets himself ejected for it. What does it mean to you for him to have your back in that way, so much so that he gets ejected from the game? It means a lot. It means a lot. Uh, y'all know Coach. Uh, he got our back, all, all the teams back, all my teammates, and that's, our, that's, who, we are. that's who we are. We are family out there, and uh, we, we're going to keep fighting for each other till the end. And, uh, and I just want to thank him for what he did. Yeah. You know, can, can you believe a reporter asked Fisdale after that game, you know, are you worried about the fact that Nilakina, you know, fouled out of the game and that he, you know, th- that he has something to learn on defense and, and not, you know, not fouling these guys or, you know, on either side of the ball. Are, are you kidding me? Was this reporter <laughs> watching the game? They, they, were, they were bullshit calls. What are you talking about? We know that Nilakina, Nilakina doesn't foul out of games. He's like the best defender without fouling anybody. I mean, it was such a ridiculous question. Obviously, Fisdale said, no, I'm not worried about him. You know, he knows how to defend. 
He doesn't put himself in those situations. It was, it, 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 you know, you think back to this game, you think about those fouls, and it really is a shame that he had to foul out of that game. I mean, who knows? Maybe, maybe it's a blessing because maybe that, that that streak that he was on during that game would have ended, you know. And at least we have this to hold on to. But, um, but yeah, I mean, what what would it foul out when you don't deserve it? You know, Mitchell <laughs> Robinson, at least when he fouls out of games, he earns those fouls. He deserves those foul calls. You could live with those because he he deserved. <laughs> Yeah, I think after he got that 18th point and then he got called for that offensive charge that would have been his 20th points, I looked at you and I was like, he's going to fucking foul out with 18 points, Barry. <laughs> Just short of 20. Yeah. And then all the Frank haters can continue to be like, he's never scored even 20 points. <laughs> it's never going to be easy for Frank. People hate him just for who drafted him. They hate him for... The supposed reason of why he was drafted to run Phil Jackson's triangle. They're going to hate him because we passed because on of, Dennis Smith Jr. for him. They're going to hate him because of Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, because Donovan Mitchell was picked fucking 12 picks later or whatever it was. I mean, it is crazy because Donovan Mitchell was on the Knicks' radar. And, you know, the organization was torn between Donovan Mitchell and Frank. Phil slept through Donovan Mitchell's workout. So it's because of that, Frank is always going to be given a hard time. So even after a great game, when he gets called for shit foul calls, reporters are going to say, don't you think he needs to learn things on defense so he's not fouling out? He has to have a perfect game for everyone to be happy. I think I saw someone say, well, he only had one assist in that game. <laughs> yeah, fucking break. <laughs> Everyone's perfectly happy when Trey Burke scores 18 points and has one assist. 18 points in 20 minutes, Barry. Yeah, and, and really 18 points in 10 minutes for, is, where, is where he scored him. Yeah, pretty much. But yeah. That's yeah, incredible. To be, to be fair. To be fair, yes. To be fair, let's talk about Kevin Knox because sure, you know, we all spend so much time on Frank, but Kevin Knox was yeah. fucking better than Frank. Yeah, Kevin Knox... Uh, Put on a show, put on his repertoire, shooting threes, driving through the lane, getting the rebounds. It's the Kevin Knox that we envisioned, right? It was a Kevin Knox of Summer League. Yeah. And, you know, he wasn't just launching up threes from the wing. He wasn't just catching and shooting. He was moving with the, with the ball. He was getting close to the basket. He, he could have easily had more points than 26. That's absolutely right. You know, you look at his numbers and you see 10 from 25 and you say, wow, you know, the, he, that, that percentage should have been better. But the shots that he missed were not bad shots. You're absolutely right. There were shots that were definitely makeable. Um, a bunch of them were in and out. Um, they were right around the basket. So, yeah, I mean, it, you watched his performance and, you know, you can't come away with anything but being happy. The, the only thing in his line that worries me, you know, coming from 10 of 25 shooting and he only... He only takes two free throws. That's one spot where he's really got to rise up his game. He's got to get that call. He's got to learn to go into his man. He's, we saw him doing a better job of that, you know, where earlier in the season he would drive the lane. He'd kind of go away from the basket and kind of launch up a bad shot. He is doing a better job squaring up to the basket, trying to finish through these drives. But um, And I know he's a rookie, and, you know, they say rookies got to kind of earn their earn their place before they get some calls but um but that is definitely a, a stat that he's gonna have to improve get himself to the line more part of the reason why he's not getting these free throw attempts is he he's definitely his de definite weakness right now is driving the lane in the half court 
and it just seems like when he gets in the lane and anyone gets close to him, he sort of like, you know, spasms, <laughs> right? He just like chucks it up real fast and falls down. Uh, usually he thinks he got fouled. Maybe he did. I don't know if maybe the refs can't even tell because of the way he gets in there and just sort of chucks it up. Yeah, and it doesn't Fizz- go up strong yet. Yeah, I think Fizzle had a quote that was Knox's weakness is his weakness, and yet he's got muscle. I mean, he's a bi- he's a big boy. You know, Not he's much. got the strength there. You know, I mean, more than some other rookies coming into the league, he does. Um, it's just he's got to get some confidence. He's got to learn how to use that to his advantage. And I mean, forty-one minutes he had in that game, forty-one minutes given to Knox. Um, which is great. I mean, we want him to get this playing time, right? I mean, Hazonia had less than five minutes of playing time in this game. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping that this is maybe a shift. This is maybe a sign that Knox is going to slide into that starting rotation. You know, it has a possibility. to be. It's got to it, be, right? Well, look at the small forwards who are taking away minutes from Kevin Knox right now. Hazonia, Courtney Lee. Oh, come on. Yeah, I mean, 41 minutes. Why are you not starting Knox? I mean, I don't, I don't put that much stake in starting. Like with, with, with the whole realm of things, you know, it's really more important about the minutes. But you know, you you, you think about it, you know, it, it does say something about who you have confidence in on your team that you're giving that starting role. It is there is something to that, you know. And and, and I mean, for Zonia to be starting this many games in a row. It, it, it's it's got to come to an end. I mean, I mean that 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 ship has sailed. Please, I don't understand how Hazonia went from several DNPs in a row, barely even even when he was in the rotation and on the bench, he was barely playing. And for some reason, Fizdell thinks it's a good idea to start him just to get like ten to fifteen minutes out of him. What what is going on there? You're right. It has to shift towards Knox. I mean, doesn't make any sense. The guy that we thought all preseason, all before the season, was the lock to start at small forward the entire season because we were so lacking in any depth in that position is now sitting behind Mario Hazonia. Mario Hazonia. It makes no sense. No, that's got to be the next change that we see. Yeah, I mean, this is, Fisdale is driving me insane still. 28 games into the season, and not only has he not figured out who his starting point guard is, or even just any kind of general preference as to, <laughs> and I don't think any of us know who it is. Yeah, are we any he, closer to knowing who our starting point guard should be? No, and I'm going to ask and, Chris and, Eisman that later too. Yeah. But not only do we not know that quite, he doesn't even know I don't know if we've settled on one player in the starting lineup outside of Tim Hardaway Jr. And I don't even know if he should be the starter. Yeah. 28 games. What's going on, Barry? How many games does Fizdale need to figure this out? He needs to insert these guys like, you know, one at a time. He's changing the starting lineup every five, six, seven games. He's pulling guys in, taking them out, putting them in the rotation, taking them out. They're DNPing one day, starting another day. Shouldn't he be able to sort of look at each player individually, think about how he wants this team to play? He wants it to be a running team that plays defense. Shouldn't he be figuring out how each player fits into the into whatever role he wants them to fit into? And it's his job to develop them into his vision. 
why is he making it where it's like he just throws the players out there and he's just going to see what they do and right. then he's going to make a decision. He's got to develop them into whatever kind of player he thinks each of them needs to be. I said this to you the other day on the French Knicks podcast. It's like a chef who's trying to come up with a delicious, delicious meal, Barry. And instead of thinking about it and, you know, you maybe taste a few things and you, you come up with a whole ingredients list and a recipe and you put it out there. It's like a chef, if he's just taking ingredients in and out, can't make up his mind, he's trying every fucking combination. No, I don't like this, I do like that, and I'm going to try it with this. Give me a fucking break. you got to have some sense, as the chef of the New York Knicks, of what could work together and what you think will work together, and then you fucking roll with it for a while. Mm-hmm. You can't do this. I mean, before you know it, Barry, the season will be over. And I don't know if anything is going to be set. So Fizdale has to figure this shit out, Barry. Same way you have to figure out your technological stuff. <laughs> so that's driving me a little crazy, Barry. What do you think? What do you think we should do with the starting lineup for Cleveland? Like, I mean, I think that this is going to be, there's going to be a shift. This here. is the time to change. Yeah. The, the, I mean, this is the time to shift it. I mean, I would, I would look, Moutier's been holding his own. You know, obviously he came back down a little bit from where he was, um, you know, two weeks ago. Um, but I think it's time to insert Nilakina back into the lineup. Keep Hardaway back there. Um, you know, you want to keep Dotson coming off the bench, that's fine. But, I mean, he probably earned his way into the starting rotation. But fine, let him come off the bench as a sixth man, especially with Trier out. So I got Nilakina. I got Can Hardaway. Can you fucking stop got... saying Trier, Barry? Tri- hey, listen. Mrs. Trier said that that's how her name should be pronounced. No, no, no. You're you're exaggerating it. You're exaggerating. Excuse me. You. <laughs> if I'm I have to go, if I have to go get the fucking clip, I will. You should. You should get the I fucking will. clip. It's Trier. No, you you asked about that, and she said it's pronounced Trier. Oh, stop! But, stop but you, it! You you do this whole overblown, exaggerated Trier. It, it is Trier. Okay, no, it's I can't help it if the PA announcer and Clyde it's Alonso and Trier. Bree... <laughs> it's Either barely way. noticeable, and now every time on the show I have to listen to you go Trier, and no one else is saying it that way. Do you want to know I mean, my starting lineup or not? Against yeah. Cleveland, I feel like I want to see Nilakina back in there, give him the reins, Hardaway, Knox, Vonley, and Cantor. I think that's a fair starting lineup, Barry. Me too. I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> He's not going to throw Nilakina back in there just yet. I think there's going to be one switch we're going to see. I think Knox is going to be in the starting lineup. Good. Well, you know an even for better Hazonia. one? So that's the one I think is the most realistic one if, if Fizz is going to make a change. An even better one is Nilakina, Hardaway, Dotson, Knox, and Cantor. I mean, Knox was playing the four most of the time against the Hornets, and look at it, how he succeeded there. You know, he was a lot more aggressive. He found himself battling for boards more. That's that's the real lineup. I just don't know if it's too many. You know what? It's not too many changes. Fizdale's fucking shifted it up enough. So that's you know that's what? my final answer. I switched The only it up. reason that's not going to happen for Cleveland is because we don't we won't have Trier, as you like to say. <laughs> we won't have Trier and Courtney. Which that would leave us with basically just like Frank and Baker as the guards on the bench, and Moutier. Oh, you were in, you were starting Frank. Yeah, that's what I, I said it three times. 
No, I'm sorry. Not paying attention. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I thought anytime anybody mentions Frank, your ears perk up. Fine, so it would be just Moutier and Baker on the bench. What's, uh, I said Frank and Baker on the bench. So just you would just have Moutier and Baker as the guards off the bench, which is not enough. So Dotson's going to have to come off the bench. Yeah, but I, well, yeah, I mean, they, they, they can rotate around. I mean, when you bring in Vonley off the bench... And you got Knox in the rotation. Also, Dotson can always switch back down to a guard. And again, it doesn't it doesn't really matter. You know, Dotson's versatile enough where he can really cover anybody um, between the the small forward and the guard. Doesn't matter. What do you think? Should we bring on a professional to talk about this stuff? Let's do it. Let's get Eisman on the phone. Let's get him on. All right, guys. Right now, we are being joined by Chris Eisman. He is on the Knicks beat, writing for the Record and NorthJersey.com. Thanks for joining us for what I think is your third time, Chris. Yeah, second or third. No, I appreciate you guys having me. You're welcome. So you mentioned to me earlier today that you were flying into Cleveland for the game against the Cavs. Where does Cleveland rank on your favorite destinations to go to for an NBA road trip? This is going to shock you. I actually don't hate it here. It's not terrible. It's not as bad as I think people think it is. I just had a great dinner. Um, with the great Steve Popper. Um, so we, you know, it's, it's, it's not terrible. It gets dead around uh, this time of night, though. So What did you guys eat? We went out to a place uh, not far from our hotels. Uh, we just split some apps. So it was, it was pretty good. You guys share any interesting news about the Knicks? Uh, not so much share interesting news. We talked about the Knicks. They came up. I would I'll say that. It's pretty much inevitable with another beat, right? right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's kind of hard to avoid. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. So let's talk a little Frank. You know, it's everyone's favorite subject. Everyone loves talking about Frank. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> what sense are you getting around the team in regards to Frank's last two performances? Do you think these two performances put him uh, right back in the rotation with Fizdale? Or do you think he just came in because of how the Knicks were getting blown out in those games and Fizz was just looking for a spark? Well, I think it's interesting. The timing of this is kind of funny because now he has to be in the rotation because Trier's out, Burke's out, Courtney Lee's not going to be with them tomorrow. So Frank, whether or not you want to say it's by default or whether or not he deserves to be back there, he's going to be in the rotation. He's probably going to see extended minutes for the next couple of games. Um, but I, I think that they they like what he did. Um you know, after that scoreless first half, obviously he he showed a lot more in that third quarter. And I wrote today that you know it's been spurts of this all season, but all of what he did the last two games is going to be forgotten if he just reverts to being the Frank Nilakina that he's kind of been um, since before that the the three games, you know, three straight DNPs. If he if he goes back to being tentative and passive, it's going to be like okay, well, you know, the benching didn't do anything, um, and he still is kind of just. Uh, needing a lot of development offensively and he's just not the player that the Knicks need him to be if he continues to play well then he's going to earn his spot but we don't really know after two games it's too small of a sample size um to know whether or not he'll be able to do that but like I said he's he's certainly in all likelihood going to get a chance to show what he can do yeah that's interesting like how are they going to maintain let's say those DNPs did sort of light a fire under Frank how are they going to maintain that they can't just dnp him whenever he starts slowing down <laughs> that's the thing i mean you know you have to hope that if you're in the knicks and you have to hope that it woke him up but it, it's you're right i mean yeah it did work for dotson but uh, dotson's kind of you know he had a good game the other night but he's been up and down recently a little bit so there's no guarantee that he's going to sustain it 
Um, they're just going to have to kind of, you know, see what he can do. I, 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 I think that it was an attempt to see if this could work and this could kind of, you know, maybe give him a, a chance to take a step back and see the game from a different perspective and just maybe clear his head or, um, and, and definitely light a fire underneath him. You know, when I asked Fizz the other day, he said that it worked for Trey, it worked for Moutier, it worked for Dotson, and now they're going to see if it works for Frank. So time will tell. Do you think he's going to have a little bit of a leash? Like, I mean, if he has two bad games, is he going to sort of get back in Fizdale's doghouse? Because Fizdale does not seem to give these guys much room. Yeah, you know, there's certainly – he's going to have to prove himself. Um, but again, maybe this the fact that he's going to get some minutes because their backcourt has you – know, backcourt depth has taken a bit of a hit recently. Maybe, you know, there's a chance that um, – that he'll be able to kind of wake up a little bit and keep uh, keep playing well. But we don't know. Like I said, we don't really know how we, how it's going to work. So speaking of that backcourt depth you just mentioned, this Trier injury, did you see it happen? I did not see it happen. Did anybody see it happen? No one. I know where you're going with this. Um, we did not see it happen. It was after the Fisdale press conference that, um, you know, he was asked, are there any injuries? He said no. And then I guess it was about six. I'm not sure what time it was. It was about 6:45, maybe that they tweeted that he was going to be out, and we were told that it happened during warmups. So we were all either in the locker room or back upstairs working in the press room when uh, when the injury occurred. What could he have possibly done during warmups? It's a good question. I don't want to say because I don't I don't want to I wasn't there. So it's, it's hard for me to say what he could have done or what he could have not done. Um, but it's you know, I, I, I think a lot of people have that question. But, um, you know, all I know is what we were told and that he hurt his hamstring during warmups. So, right. I think obviously, you know, now he's going to be out for a week or so. And that sort of extends their time to to clear a roster spot. So it gives them a little, and I think some free agents can start getting dealt on the 15th, right? Correct. Yep. Yep. Anybody who was signed before September 15th can start being traded December 5th. Anybody who was signed before September 15th can be traded December 15th. So guys like Hazonia could be moved to create some space. Correct. Yep. Let's uh, move on to Knox. He's had two 26-point games over his last five games. They also happen to be the two games he played the most minutes all season, 37 minutes in the first, 41 in the second. Do you think coming off this last performance, which was was huge, and he had 15 rebounds along with the 26, you think he's going to start getting some more regular minutes, especially with Courtney Lee uh, going to the G League for a few days? Yeah, I think so. I don't think Courtney Lee is going to be down there too long. Um, I think it might just be a... at least from the way I, I see it, just kind of being a one-and-done type of way to get him um, some reps. But with Knox, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think he, he certainly deserves to start seeing more minutes, and I think Fisdale will give him those minutes. Um, but he need he needs time. He just needs time. He needs to be on the court. He needs to be learning and, and developing and, and becoming the player that the Knicks need him to be. Um, he's not going to, you know, sitting on the bench a whole lot is not really going to help him at this point. He needs to be on the court, um, learning how to go to the rim more consistently, rebounding, and just, like I said, becoming the player that the Knicks want him to be. So I think that he's going to get some time. There's no question about it. And, and if he keeps playing the way he did the other night, you know, it's hard to make the case that he doesn't deserve those, those minutes, you know? Yeah, with this, um, 
you know, Fizz keeps changing up the lineups. How long has this current starting lineup been playing together? Do you have any idea? It's been 10 games now, I want to say. Which is more than any other lineup stretch, right? Yep. Um, you think some changes are, are on the way, you know, based off of these last two games, how poorly, you know, the starting unit has played in general and how Fizz has shifted to the younger guys to finish these games to get us back in it. You think there are any changes on the horizon? This is strictly, um, you know, my my opinion and what I, I think is going to happen. I, I could see changes coming. Um, you know, I don't think, you know, Mario Hazoni has not played well. Um, and I, I think that he would be at risk of losing his job in the starting five. I think you can make a case. Moutier has played pretty well, but he's been up and down too. So if they decide to go with Frank at that spot, then he could be at risk of losing his starting his job in the starting lineup. So I, I certainly think that it's not ra- out of the realm of possibility that there could be changes, um, You know, especially, like you said, if the starting five continues to struggle, which they have been. Hey, Chris, Barry here. I want to talk a little bit about Chris Stapps. Now, even though we see him at the home games, we don't hear from him. We're not hearing anything about him, about his progress, except that little bit with the sprinting comment and his Instagram reaction. Now, you get to see him at practice. Is he participating at all in practice from a physical standpoint, other than as a bystander or cheerleader like he was doing during the preseason? By the time we are in practice, we get into practice right towards the end. Um, and it's, practice is pretty much wrapped up at that point. So whenever we see him there, he's just kind of walking around. He's not doing anything. Um, you know, he's, he's not engaging in much physical activity or basketball activities at that point. He is more just kind of hanging out with the guys and, like you said, kind of being a cheerleader and trying to stay engaged that way. But, you know, we have not heard from him um, since September. He has, not made, his, he has not been made available to address the media. So um, there are certainly questions that we would like to ask him, but we just haven't had that opportunity uh, in now what's it been, three months. So Now, DeMarcus Cousins, who's finally coming to the end of his recovery, it was reported yesterday that Golden State is sending him to the G League, not to play in games, but to practice with their affiliate. Because at this point in the season, NBA teams aren't going as hard, especially in scrimmages and five-on-fives, because they don't want to risk injuries to any of their healthy players. Do you think when KP is cleared by his doctors and the team that they'll do a similar move to get him more conditioned for his return to games? I don't I don't see that happening. I mean, that's um, – I really don't see that happening. It's, it's far off kind of at this point, but uh, I, I don't see that being something that they would do. It's not out of the realm of possibility, I suppose, but I, I, I Fizdale seems to be a, the kind of guy who wants to be supervising all of that. Not in a bad way, but he just wants like, his guys with his, you know, being around him, him, them as much as possible. So I don't really see that being the case, but you never know. But I, I certainly don't think that that will be uh, the first option. All right, I got to ask you something, Chris. This is a little random, all right? But since you're around the team so much, you're, I mean, I assume you have you sit pretty close when they're playing, right? Or you does it depend? Depends on what arena. Okay. Most arenas we don't. Okay, I got to know. Exactly how much shit is Mitchell Robinson talking on the court to these opposing players? I would love to know that, and we don't sit anywhere near close enough in any <laughs> arena to be able to hear. Um, there was one arena, we were in Dallas that we could hear i could hear fizzdale really clearly that was the first time that i could actually hear what he was saying um but other than that we're, we're never close enough to actually hear what they're saying on the court i would love to i would pay i would actually pay money to hear what he's saying on the court. <laughs> yes me too <laughs> i mean you see some of these clips of 
you know, basically every game you see the other players like rolling their eyes at him, giving him looks, laughing at him. Yeah. And he, after he gets these foul calls, he never thinks he fouled anybody. And he's <laughs> he's pacing around, shaking his head, muttering something. And I'm dying to know. Do you get a sense of like just from, I don't know how much you've spoken to him or just being around him. Do you get a sense of like what kind of personality he has, how, like how fiery he could possibly be on the court? Or does he seem just like a, you know, like a young, fun guy, and he's probably just having fun with these guys? I think it's probably a little bit of both. I think he does get fiery on the court, but I do think that there's a lot of just kind of he's a young guy having fun. Um, he was very shy when he first got here, um, and he's really he's made a lot of progress with kind of being more um, talkative and during interviews being more open. Um, but it's hard to get a, a true sense of the way he's on the court. But I, I think it's a little bit of both. I think he's he's definitely a young kid having fun. Um, who could blame him? You know, being a night, you know, twenty years old or nineteen in the NBA in his rookie season. Um, so I I think that it's a little bit of a mix of both. But I think he gets fiery for sure. Did, were you in the room? I heard he yelled something at Frank after Frank's big game. <laughs> yeah, he French. just said uh, the MVP tonight, and he said something along the lines of he, he's our MVP on French Heritage Night or French Night or something like that. I was kind of on the other side of the room, so I didn't hear everything that he said, but I, I definitely could hear him yelling. <laughs> he just started. Yeah, then, well, he was his locker is pretty close to Frank. Um, he's a few locker stalls down, so I knew that he was kind of yelling in that direction. Not yelling, yelling, but like, you know, just kind of speaking loudly in that direction. So um, it was later on when I when I figured out exactly what he said. But he's just he's kind of a fun guy in the locker room. He's just, uh, you know. He's um, he likes to have a good time in there. You think he's one of the, like your favorite guys, uh, personality-wise, on that team? Um, there's potential of that. I mean, I think, like I said, he, he's not. He's still developing in terms of the way he is with us, so it's hard to say. But um, yeah, I mean, there's definitely times where he could he could be. Anis is Anis is tough to top. Anis Cantor, he's just uh, he's fun to talk to. So he's probably the most personable Nick. I'll say that for now. Okay. I've seen like Frank talk a lot on the court with Mitchell. Um, but I was thinking today, I've never seen Frank interact with Knox at all. Do they have you, do they have any sort of relationship? Oh, I think so. I have never really seen like anything that has stood out to me as them talking. Um, but I think that they definitely have a relationship. I know, you know, Knox was um, saying the other day how happy he was for him that he played that well and how, you know, he handled the situation. So I think that there's definitely a relationship there. I don't know how, you know, specifically close they are, but I, I, there's certainly nothing that would lead me to believe that, you know, they don't have any relationship at all. Okay, Chris, so 27, 28 games in to the season. Do you think Fisdale is any closer to figuring out who his starting point guard is than he was on day one? Um, no, I don't. <laughs> and I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing. It's not a good thing, but it's not necessarily a bad thing because coming into the year, you had these three point guards. Nobody knew who was really going to run away with that job. Nobody has really run away with it. Moutier has certainly played well, but is Emmanuel Moutier going to be here next year? Probably not. Is Trey Burke going to be here next year? Probably not, Um, which is why I think, in my opinion, Frank should be getting a long run at that position. Um, but I don't think that there's necessarily been near, you know, as, as much clarity to the situation as maybe a lot of fans and certainly maybe even the team would want after 27 games. But I think that that situation is still 
kind of ongoing. And who knows? I mean, we might get to the end of the year, and there's really has not been anybody who who ran away with that job. So certainly after 27 games, we're not at that point yet. I guess they just need to find out by the end of the season if they have a starting point guard on the team, right? That would certainly help. Yeah. Any updates on the Trey Burke injury? Um, he is getting closer, but uh, nothing, nothing concrete yet. Take a wild guess. Opinion. Starting lineup for the Cleveland game. For the Knicks? Um, yeah. I'll go, I don't think it's going to change. I, I think that tomorrow they're going to trot out Moutier, Tim, Mario, Noah, and Ennis. And it's going to be more of the same. But who knows? In about 12 hours, 13 hours, I could be proven incorrect. But that would be my guess at this point. I don't get the Ugh. sense that he's ready to make any, any changes right now. That's not what I want to hear. Hopefully, like I said, maybe in 12, 12 hours, 13 hours after the round, we'll have a different we'll have a different answer. But that's what I would say sitting here in my Cleveland hotel room. That's what I would say. If Fizz is going to shift to some young guys, wouldn't it be nice if he does it against Cleveland? That would certainly be the time to do it um, if you're going to make a change. And, and it, like I said, it could certainly come. I, he, uh, it's, it's certainly possible. But I, I, in my opinion right now, I, I don't think it's going to happen. But again... I could be very much proven wrong. I have been at times this season, so you never know. <laughs> How's Emmanuel Moody going to guard Colin Sexton? That's uh, an interesting question. We, we might find out tomorrow. <laughs> All right, Chris. Well, thanks for coming on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's always good. Enjoy what little there is to do at this time over there. Oh, I will. Thank you <laughs> very much. I will try. And say hi to Mitchell. I will. I'll tell him you guys, uh, you guys said hello. I'm sure you will. (laughs) All right. Good night, Chris. Thanks a lot, Chris. Have a good one, guys. Take care. What what, what does it look like upcoming in the upcoming schedule for for our boys here? So we got Wednesday night against Cleveland. Then we're at Charlotte on Friday. And then Sunday night against Indiana. And then that leads us into a back-to-back back at the Garden against Phoenix Monday night. All right. Nice little stretch here of some games that aren't too horrible. I got to take those Phoenix games. Got to take the Cleveland game. Maybe we get a little revenge on Charlotte. Yep. A little French revenge. <laughs> French revenge. Speaking of French, I uh, had a good time on the French Knicks podcast the other night. Yeah, that was a good time on the French Knicks podcast. Poor Tom. Poor Tom, guys. I don't know. You guys should all listen to the French Knicks podcast. These guys, I mean, we're all living the hard Knicks life here in America, but Tom lives in France. Right, and Ben is in Montreal, so he's you know he's basically on our time as well. But yeah, Tom Tom is in France, so he it's like you know two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning when we're recording this thing. His girlfriend's sleeping in the next room. Barry, every night he watches a game. If he wants to watch a game live, he's got to watch it at like two, three, four in the morning. And so he was saying during the podcast that that night before that we did this podcast with him it was French Heritage Night, and he was waking up his girlfriend all night. Right, because Frank was going off, so he was going right, nuts. Right. You know, and then Frank fouled out, so you can imagine how he was yeah. going then. So he felt so really you... bad. He wanted to be extra quiet while he recorded the podcast with us. Yeah, so guys, if you want a good laugh, like we give Tom a little bit of a hard time about it. He's like whispering the whole show, like as if his girlfriend is sleeping right next to him while he's doing it. It was very unusual, Barry. Yeah, so keep in mind, if you do listen to that podcast, you're going to have to keep your finger on the volume button, whether on your, it's on your phone or on your radio. But you're going to have to turn it way up whenever Tom talks, otherwise there's no way you're hearing it. We did learn some fun French curse words like tabernacle. Very good. Tabernacle. 
Anyway, guys, that's going to do it. As if you don't know that already. Yep. It is a hard Nick's life. You can reach out to us. It's a hard Nick's life at gmail.com. You can or fucking you can call, call us. us. I mean, you, don't, you know what? We, every week we do this. We got to do it. Knicks fans are the most anti-social people in the world. Apparently. But if you've got it in you, 516-33-MESH-1. Anything you want to preach about the Knicks, go for it. Thanks again for French Heritage Night, Barry. Yeah, dude. We're going to do it again. (laughs) How are we going to get out of this show here in a fun (laughs) way? I thought I had a good idea. What's that? I don't know. I thought I did. Now I don't. Oh. I'm blanking. Well, you know what? That's just going to do it. We're going to do this one, you know, in, uh, um, for Tom. We're going to do it for Tom's way right now. And Okay. We're going to say goodnight to all of you guys. Um, yeah, thank you for joining us tonight. Yes. And, um, you know, now the Knicks are 8 and 20. <laughs> And, what? Um, the Knicks are eight and twenty. Tom, what? I can't understand you. Yes, my my girlfriend is sleeping in the next room right now, so I I can't I can't talk that loud. But but I want to tell you that um that I th- I think I think that the Knicks um they just need they need they need Frank to have his confidence and they need <laughs> him to start. And um, it is a hard Knicks life. It does take a lot of energy. To really try to listen to somebody, like it takes all of your energy, and you're fighting through the accent, you're fighting through the volume of their voice, and it really does take a lot out of you. <laughs> yeah, I have to. You gotta like put your head for. I was like putting my head close to my desk, my head. Like, I don't even know why. I was just trying to get in this crouching position to even try and make out anything, and obviously that doesn't help. No. Okay, guys. Until next time, it's a hard Nick's life. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.